uh, those that are here, those that are watching online, that uh, we do have our, our men's breakfast this Saturday. Very, very important men's breakfast this coming Saturday. It's 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. over in Building 2. And so uh, this month's uh, donation we're asking is, is $8. Uh, we're, we had, we have to, having to pay an outside caterer to come in this time. So uh, please, men, be here. And uh, I'm probably looking for teenagers and above uh, based on the content, the subject matter. We're going to be talking about uh, purity. Talking like grown men. Holiness is right. Thank you, Lord. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto to the word of God. That's what the Bible says. You want to cleanse your ways? You take heed to the word of God. David said, his, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you got to get the word in your heart to override the imagery Satan will bring. Y'all not saying much. Talking to the men, now the men aren't saying anything. To cast down the images, to take. <laughs> oh, it's ladies too, right? There's all kind of images. Well, we're going to deal with the men this Saturday. Amen. To stay pure and stay holy. Amen. And, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, listen to me, men. It doesn't go away just because you get married. If that was the case, there wouldn't be adultery. It doesn't go away just because you get married. You have to, you have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You have to cast down imaginations. Amen? The Bible says that we perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. So my reverence for the Father, my reverence for God, my honor for him will help me to keep myself holy. The Bible says glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are God's. They belong to God. Amen. So we don't lean our, lend our members over to uncleanness. It's just, it's just coming. We don't give our members over to uncleanness. Amen. And so, uh, you know, we, we live in a very sexually charged society. You can't hardly watch football or baseball and it's something ain't. AGTV and it's not something on there that is like, oh my God, oh Lord. Can't, can't read the times. You know, you, so you have to really, really uh, guard your heart with all diligence. Now the guys don't hardly say anything. So you have to, you have to do that. And so this, this Saturday, my uh, second oldest brother, Elder Warren E. Anderson Sr., who is in uh, Columbus, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, will be teaching us on this Saturday and men joining in from that area and so forth uh, online, they'll be doing that. And uh, I think we're going to be, I know we're going to be Zooming with him. Uh, we're going to be streaming it. Did we work that out? Amen. So those who can't attend, uh, we're going to stream it on YouTube. Okay? Uh, I'm going to post it in the men's group me. So this is private. It's private. Because it's men talk. Amen. Men, men will be able to ask questions and talk. Amen. So, amen. 
I'm sure we'll have a good breakfast, but even more time in the Word. Do y'all have Genesis chapter 12? Okay, let's declare the Lord's blessing over this word tonight first. Let's declare, let's confess over the word. Let's do that first. Y'all ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it and I'm never offended. I live by it and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me Build me up and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, tonight, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read just verses 1 and 2. Just verses 1 and 2. Can everybody have that? Yes. All right, let's all read together. Ready, read. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Father, thank you tonight for the word we're about to receive. We receive it with thanksgiving. We receive it with meekness because it's able to save our very souls. So have your way. Speak to us. Whatever we hear, we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. So tonight we're on part three of God works through you. God works through you. Okay, so we've established that each and every one of us has a divine purpose and a destiny as well as various assignments uh, from the Lord that are aimed at bringing him glory in the earth, okay? So when you and I uh, fulfill the assignments that God gives to us, we will glorify God in the earth. I want to remind you that we are created. We were created and formed to give God glory. We're created, we're formed, we're fashioned to give God glory. I want us to look at very quickly, please, Isaiah 43, Verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go to verse 7. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll drop down to verse 7. Glory to God. It says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. What did he do? Created. created you. And he who formed you, O Israel. What did he do? Formed. So created, formed. Two different words. Formed. Didn't just create you, but Formed. A certain way, okay? Fear not, for I have what? Redeemed. Redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That's good news. I am his and he is mine. Okay? And his banner over me is love. That's what the, book, the Bible says, right? Thank you. In the book of Song of Solomon, I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Okay? Verse 2, Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Isn't that good news? That means you and I have divine protection. Right? Okay, now this, this you're all pretty familiar. Many of you are familiar with that passage. I can tell by the, the oomphs I was getting in, in that. But let's look down to verse 7, please. Verse 7 says, everyone who is called by my name whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. So those of us who are called by his name, how many of you are called by his name? Okay, he has created us for his glory. Can you see that? 
Now, we looked at Revelation 4, verse 11 last week in the King James where it says that we were made for his pleasure, right? But here I want you to see we were created for his glory, and he has formed us. Yes, he has made us. So everybody needs to understand that we are formed, we are fashioned, we're created for God's glory. Everything about you was pre-planned, pre-designed to bring God glory. Your ethnicity, your nationality was planned for his glory. Your gender was planned for his glory. I got two amens on that from the same person. One of them two people is two from the same person. <laughs> so your, your nationality, remember Acts 17, 26, he chose where you'd be. So your nationality is on purpose. Your ethnicity is on purpose. Glory to God. You don't have to pass for white, white don't have to pass for black, just be who you are. God created you for that purpose. There's a purpose. And he definitely don't want, doesn't want you to change your gender. Oh, there you go. And because your gender was set on purpose. He formed you for purpose. He put you in that male body or put you in that female body on purpose. So he doesn't want you switching. He doesn't, and he doesn't give man that liberty to switch. To repurpose yourself. Your purpose comes from your creator, so however the, per the creator purposed you and formed you, your purpose lies with that. So you can go and switch your gender or switch your nationality or switch your ethnicity if you want to, but when you stand before God, he's going to judge you based on how he made you and did you fulfill his purpose based on how he made you. You got it? All right, so we're made for his glory. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, in the King James Version. Most of us know this by now. We've read this now the last couple weeks here. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace. All right, we're going to start over. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace. And not of what? Peace. To give you an expected end. So we have an expected end, right? And I've been telling you this. Make sure you have this written down somewhere, that my expected end will bring God pleasure. My expected end will bring God pleasure. When I do what God calls me to do, it's going to bring God pleasure. Okay? You got to know that. You got to listen, ladies and gentlemen, you got to know that. That's, that's more important than what college you attend. That's more important than what city you live in. That's, that's more, more important than who you marry. It's more important than, than all other things that we can try to achieve in the, in the natural. Bringing God's glory, uh, reaching your expected end is, is what is the most important thing that you can ever discover and do in your life. Doesn't matter if you become, become the most successful entrepreneur on this planet. If it wasn't about God's glory, if it wasn't fulfilling God's purpose, it's to no avail. Are y'all with me? The flesh profits nothing. That's what Jesus said in John 6, verse 63. The flesh profits nothing. Okay? All right, so... We want to bring God pleasure. So we've been looking at this scripture too, Philippians 2.13. Y'all can tell I'm reviewing, right? Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in you. Everybody say, God works in me. Okay, so he's trying to get us to a place of agreement with him so he can, so we'll have the will 
to do his good pleasure. Because we're not born willing to serve God. Right? And many people get born again, still aren't willing to serve God. Most people get born again only wanting God to serve them. Right? And I understand it because most people, when we get born again, we come because we, I need something. My life is a mess. I need something. But as we mature, as we develop in the Lord, we begin to learn, okay, Lord, thank you for what you're, you're, you've done. Thank you for what you're doing for me. But I want to return the favor. I want to reciprocate this kindness. And I want to begin to see, uh, Lord, all right, Lord, what do I need to do for you? When, when Saul, you remember Saul, who we know him as Apostle Paul, when he first got saved, his first two questions, y'all remember those questions? Lord, who are you? Number two, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, from the onset, he's like, what do you want me to do? Okay? So we need to be about bringing God glory through our lives. Now, I want to make sure you have this in your memory bank, in your, in your heart beyond your memory bank, in your heart. When you let the Lord bless you and then let him use you, your life will be pleasing, well-pleasing to the Father. Did you hear what I said? When you let, notice I have this big and bold here, let. When you let the Lord bless you, you don't have to make the Lord bless you when you just let him bless you. You don't have to try to twist God's arm. You don't, you don't have to try to negotiate, manipulate, you know, co coerce God into blessing you. It's his plan. It's his desire. He wants to bless you. So when you let the Lord bless you and then let him use you, your life, let him. Let him, right? Let him use you, then your life will be well pleasing to the Father. He's pleased to bless you. How many of y'all know that? He takes pleasure in your prosperity. So he's pleased to bless you. Because he loves you so much. Ask your neighbor, do you understand how much God loves you? He loved you so much, he gave his only begotten son for you. And if he did not spare his own son, how much more will he freely give you all things? So he's delighted to bless you. But if you want to finish the, the package, you have to now let him use you. Tell your neighbor, let him use you. All right, now, let's, let's, let's finish this review here, okay? So I've taught you this, that God primarily gives us things, why? To enjoy. To enjoy. Put up 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 on the screen, please. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be what? Hardy nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us what? All things, richly is how he gives them to us. Richly, liberally. All things, why? To enjoy. So God's primary reason for giving you things, and he wants to give you things, things God has no problem with when you have things. He only has a problem when things have you. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, beware of covetousness. Don't ever let things have you. Things had the rich young ruler. And it kept him from becoming one of the apostles. That, that rich young ruler very likely could have been the one to replace Judas. Jesus wanted that young man to follow him. 
Remember when they, they chose a new apostle, Matthias, he had followed them. He missed out on a golden opportunity because things had him. He had great riches. So he has no problem with you having things. He has a problem when the things have you. He wants to give you things to enjoy. All right? Now, if in your Bible, look in your Bible, and where you see the word to enjoy, if you have a good New King James Bible, a good New King James Bible, when you see the word to enjoy, there would be a little B, a letter B. How many of y'all see that in your Bible? You have, the, you have a decent Bible. Nobody? Lord, y'all got y'all online. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I mean, a good reference Bible. You need to get a good reference Bible that's going to help you explore the scriptures all over the Bible. Okay, don't, don't take the ones from the hotel. They don't do that. Okay, leave those in the people's hotels, man. All right? <laughs> so right next to the, the words to enjoy, right in front of the word to, there's a letter B or a number or something in your Bible, hopefully. When you see that, it references Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18 and 19. Now I want to look at that, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18 and 19, in the easy to read version. Easy to read version, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18 and 19, because he said he gives us rich in all things to enjoy. So let's look at, at what it references where, where Paul, by the Holy Ghost, would even uh, be referring to. Ecclesiastes 5. We got that in uh, media? 5, verse 18, 19? In the easy-to-read version? Please tell me we have it. I know we have the easy-to-read version. I know we have the book of Ecclesiastes. Do we have chapter 5 and verse 18 and 19? If not, okay. Praise the Lord. Do we got it? Okay, I'm just checking myself because I'm going to make sure I, yeah, I didn't write it out. I normally write these scriptures out myself because I don't trust technology. Now you know why. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18, 19, the easy to read version. It says this, I have seen what is best for people to do on earth. They should eat, drink, and enjoy the work they have during their short time here. How many of y'all know we have a short time here? I'm not talking about 20 years, 50 years. I'm talking about if you lived 175 years, it's very short. The Bible says life is a vapor. I mean, we already know we've been here at least a recorded 6,000 years. I believe the earth has been around millions of years. But the recorded time, since time started, 6,000 years. So your 180 years is very short. Okay, so here's what he says. God has given them these, these few days, and that is all they have. Keep going, please. If God gives some people wealth, property, and the power to enjoy those things, they should enjoy them. Now, when you read 1 Timothy 6, 17, it's referencing back to here. He gives us rich in all things to enjoy. This is, this is where Paul by the Spirit is referencing this here. He's referencing the writings of Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, who said if God gives some people wealth, property, and the power to enjoy those things, they should enjoy them. Not hide them, not be embarrassed by them, not shun them. You should enjoy them. They should accept the things that they, they have and enjoy their work. Why? That is a gift from God. 
So it's God's idea to give you things to enjoy. Don't ever let anybody talk you out of with, their, with a religious mindset that we shouldn't have things. That it is God's idea. Y'all not saying much to me. Am I in the right house here? It's God's idea. Primarily because you're his child. He wants you to have things to enjoy. He didn't want you going around looking sad. and He definitely don't want you to look at people like, oh, look at what they have. No, that's not, that's not, no, no, don't ever do that. Always receive what God has for you. Receive it with thanksgiving. Okay? So, when he gives you wealth, when he gives you property, and he gives you power to enjoy those things, enjoy them. I don't know if any of y'all would like to have any wealth or property. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. You just have to let him do it. Okay? Now, secondarily, we are to be a blessing to others. Secondarily, we are to be a blessing to others. Now, let's go back to 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. We've read it many times in the New King James Version. Let's read it in the Passion Translation. 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. Let's see God's second reason why he wants to bless you. He says in verse 18, the Passion Translation, remind the wealthy to be rich in remarkable works of extravagant generosity. What? Isn't that interesting? We love it when God talks about giving us extravagant things. But he's telling us, when you're generous, be extravagant in your generosity. Come on, smile, y'all, smile. Smile, come on, come on, receive that. I'm going to be extravagant in my generosity. I'm not, I'm not going to just kind of uh, squeeze off something. No, I'm going to be extravagant in my generosity. I want to be a blessing. Now, if you're going to have extravagant generosity, you're going to have to have something in your pocket to be extravagant with. That's why you have to allow him to bless you. You have to allow him, in, 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 here's another phrase, allow him to funnel things through you. Allow yourself to be a resource for God to use. Notice he says, let them be rich in remarkable works, remarkable works of extravagant generosity. Remarkable works. It means people remark about it. Now, you don't have to go bragging about it. In fact, when you, th thank you those who testified tonight, you didn't give off names. You didn't tell names of anything, you know, because you're not supposed to be telling stuff like that. But they'll talk about it. They'll remember what you did for them. He said, willing to share with others. Okay? Now let's read that same verse, verse 18, in the Living Bible. In the Living Bible. It says this, tell them to use their money. Come on now. To do good. They should be rich in good works and should give grudgingly. What? How? Give happily to those in need. Not, oh, I bet you're going to take this and buy a beer. That's not happily. Keep it. Don't you go buy no cigarettes with my money. That's not happily. All right? Give happily to those in need. 
always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. So when you are recognizing that God has given it to you, then you understand, okay, I'm a steward. Yes. Remember I told you this, the Lord has gave, given me this dream and, and, and I was asking in the dream, you don't have stewards yet? Some of y'all remember that. And I said, I'm going to teach on stewardship. One of these days when God gives me the green light, I, I, think, I think I'm at, at, almost at the green light for that. But in that, because I never taught it, but in that, what I want you to know, first of all, that before you can have stewards, you have to be a steward. And this, 1 Timothy 6, 17, and 18, is a, a test or a demonstration of your stewardship. Normally, churches don't even bring up stewardship today trying to build a building. We got a campaign, we got a project, we're going to raise money for something, now everybody want to teach on stewardship. Well, I'm not, I'm not of that sort. I want to teach on stewardship uh, because God wants to use us to reach this world. God doesn't need your help building a building. God can build a building by itself. We don't know whether God will save by many or by few. God can use one person to build a building. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, whenever God's at work in something, you, you want to get involved in that. I understand that. But, you know, God, what he's, what's, what's most important to him is getting people out there, his family, back. You understand? Every unbeliever that you see is his family that the devil stole them. They've been kidnapped. They've been kidnapped. And that's why we got to see it. They've been kidnapped, held hostage. Jesus Christ already paid the ransom. They just don't know it yet. Isn't that what the Bible says? He became a ransom. He, Jesus came, he came one time, he told the disciples, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Right? So he's already paid the ransom price. So it's our job to go out there and bring them in. Glory to God. Are y'all with me tonight? All right, now let's dig into this here. Go back to Genesis 12. The ransom's already been paid. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. That's why I, what I love about uh, our faith. That in our faith, as Christians, we don't have to die for Jesus. He died for us. We're not saved by our works. In other religions, we're not even a religion, but in other, other faiths, other teachings, other, other, other dogmas, whatever they have, they have to do something to try to earn their salvation. We don't have to. Jesus Christ already did everything to give us salvation. All we do is just simply just receive. Thank you, Lord, I receive. I believe you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, I receive your love. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, sir. I said, isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord. You don't have to, have to you know, some, some religions, they got to fly into a building. They got to commit suicide to get their 40 virgins in their paradise. Oh, we don't have to do that. Praise the Lord. 
Christ did it all for us. Amen? Okay, Genesis 12. Let's go back there, verse 1 and 2. We, we know this here, right? Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house. Okay, he's going to do this work inside of him first. To a land that I will show you. So here's faith operating. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, that Abraham went out not knowing. By faith, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. So this is where this is. He said, to a land I'm going to show you. So Abraham has no clue where he's going, but he's just going to trust God. Okay? He's got a word. Now, verse 2, God says to him, I will make you a great nation. Who's going to do it? God's going to do it. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. See that? Y'all see that? So God's first thing he's going to do for him is bless him. Uh, Put up media for me on the screen. Isaiah 51, verse 1. Uh, let's start at verse 1. Isaiah 51, verse 1. Just hold your finger on Genesis 12. Isaiah 51, verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. Is that anybody here? You who seek the Lord, is that you? Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. So we're going to look back to where we came from. Look verse 2, please. Verse 2. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him. Here's what happened as a result of the blessing. And increased him. So because I blessed him, the result was I increased him. So when God blesses you, you're going to increase. How you doing? I'm blessed. Okay. How you doing? I'm blessed. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Increase. Somebody shout increase. Increase. So I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Let's let's just add verse 3 just for uh, this is good. For the Lord will comfort Zion. That's us. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Notice that God saying he's going to turn your life totally around. This is what happened when the blessing operates on your life. Somebody shout the blessing. He said, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. Y'all know Eden, right? The Garden of Eden. And her desert, desert is a wasteland. Like the Garden of the Lord, joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. This is what happens when the Lord blesses you. Okay, got it? So Genesis chapter 12, verse verse 1, verse 2 actually, the Lord said, it says, the Lord said, I will bless you. I make you a great nation, I will bless you. Then he said, I will make your name great. And here's the key part here that we're focusing on. And you shall be a blessing. Everybody say, I shall be a blessing. I I remember on Sunday I showed you that word blessing comes from the Hebrew word baraka, Strong's H1293. Baraka, which means blessing. Notice what it means, source of. Source of blessing, prosperity. Praise of God. So God says, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you so much, I'm going to now make you a source of, or in our common, common vernacular, a resource of blessing and prosperity and praise. Do you see that? Can you see, did y'all see that Sunday? That God wants to make you a resource of blessing, a resource of prosperity. Not just prosperity for you, 
It's wonderful, but he wants you to make you a resource. Now, a resource is where others come to you. Where, where things, here's the word again, are funneled through you. You become a distribution center. You're a resource for blessing, a resource for prosperity, a resource for praise of God. Okay? Now, remember, we looked at this scripture here, and I want to read it from the, uh, the passage translation, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 13. Glory to God. I'm, I'm trying to speed up because I got a long ways to go. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 to 13. says, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. There it is. He's extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every need. Did y'all see that? First, he supplies every need. You need vegetables? I got vegetables. Like Liz said, she didn't tell me. She didn't tell us. She talked to him. She put out a call of God for vegetables. Can I tell you the backstory? Y'all sure? Okay. She put out a call of God for vegetables. I get a, a note, a, a, a notice on Monday that uh, a group that we partner with, they have a large truck coming in, a massive load of vegetables coming in on Monday. I say, well, praise God, I'm going to see if Liz can use those vegetables. She hadn't told me anything. And what people in the Bay Area don't know is the reason that truckload of vegetables came in was because Liz requested them. Y'all not catching it. The reason that, that load of vegetables came in was because she requested those vegetables. You understand, you can become a source of, when you have prayers, he's going to supply all your needs according to his riches. He's going to go way over and beyond what you need, what you desire. So her request to God brought in a massive truckload of vegetables. That many people were blessed because of her request. See, when you request and you ask big, God will do something bigger than you can imagine exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think so notice again first he supplies every need plus more that's what happened every need plus more oh y'all not catching that every need plus more I like that then he multiplies the seed as you sow it not as you hold it as you sow it <laughs> so that so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. So you begin to increase, Elder Jeff. Your generosity begins to increase. The more you receive, the more you sow, the more you grow, the more you increase. Can you see it? Can you see it? When you start out, all I have is a little. Well, fine, sow that little. But when you sow that little, you get a, you get a harvest. Then you, from that harvest, you take and sow a little more. Now you get a bigger harvest. From that bigger harvest, you sow a little more. Now you get a bigger harvest. Before you know it, now you're bringing in truckloads. Now you're filling up cargo ships. Y'all not saying anything. I mean, if you, take, if you take a tomato seed and plant a tomato seed in a little small pot and put it in your, in your kitchen, you know, near, near a window, however y'all do that. I don't know how to do that. But you, put, you, you can grow you, a, you know, a couple little tomatoes. 
But from that little pot, you can take those seeds now from those few tomatoes and get you a little, a little plot, just a little, just a little garden box. You can plant several of those seeds. Now you're going to get a, a, a several more tomatoes. But from that harvest, you're going to take many seeds from out of that harvest, you're going to get a bigger plot. Are y'all seeing how this works? See, God will start you right where you are. Nobody is without excuse. Nobody has, a, has any reason not to become a resource. That means if you have a desire, if you have a will, Lord, I want to be used by you, he'll start you right where you are. That's why we have Ecclesiastes chapter 11, which says, cast your bread upon the water. And you'll find it after many days. Give a servant to seven and also to eight. Right? Cast your bread. Remember I taught that series? So you cast eight ways to cast your bread. You start right where you are. No, you may not be a million dollar, you know, supplier to a community, but you can start where you are. You can, you can give somebody a four for four at Wendy's. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? Before you know it, you'll be buying out a whole restaurant and come on, me feed everybody. That's just, that's how it starts. How many of y'all want to do something like that? Praise God. So, okay, let's keep going here. I'm getting stuck there. He multiplies the seed as you sow it so that, it, that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Keep going, please. Verse 11. You will be abundantly enriched. It means made rich. Is plain, plain as day means made rich. In fact, if you have a passage translation, you click on that little button in that area, it'll say you'll be made rich. As you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. I'm just, I'm just going to use Liz because that's the present context. I guarantee Liz tomorrow if you make that big old pot of soup, whatever you're going to do, you take those vegetables and you're going to make that big old pot of hot soup on a cold, rainy day like, you know, it ain't cold. But it's, when you're outside and it's raining, it's cold. And you're wet without changes of clothes. I guarantee the Thanksgivings that's going to come out of that. And what God is saying is you cause that. Y'all missed that. You caused that. I caused thanksgivings. Minute to give thanks to God. Okay, verse uh, 12, please. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. I think I want verse 13 too, right? Verse 13. For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, that's who they were helping in this, in this text here, it will cause them to give glory to God all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ as well as your generous hearted partnership with them toward those in need. Did y'all catch that? So that's what God wants us to do, man. That's, that's why you should also make sure you're partnering with those ministries that are doing those. That's what we do as a ministry. That's why we have all these ministries that don't, you go on our offering, our giving page, all these ministries that we partner with. You got you to get it out there, ladies and gentlemen. And you can do it individually too, right? Glory to God. I highly suggest you do that. Okay. 
Now, let's go back, please, to Genesis 12. Genesis 12. So we see that uh, we can be a source of blessing. Matter of fact, say that. Say, I will be a source of blessing and a cause for thanksgiving to God. Say it again. I will be a source of blessing and a cause for thanksgiving to God. That's my declaration. I will be a source of blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I mean, everybody popular, popularized. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. But you don't hear everybody going, I'm a blessing. You never hear any comments about how to be a blessing. You're not going to hear anybody declare 2021 the year of the being a blessing. You hear about this is the year of the blessing, but nobody, this is the year of being a blessing. Because people get excited about being blessed, but not very excited about being a blessing. And don't realize that if you make it your life goal to be a blessing, you will be blessed. Hands down. Thank you, Lord. Are y'all getting this tonight? Okay, Genesis 12 and verse 2. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. Now I want to look at that same verse, verse 2, in the Amplified Classic, please. I want you to see how Amplified Classic spells this out. He says, and I will make of you a great nation. You see that? And I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. Isn't that exciting? Well, it's exciting to me, maybe not to y'all. That's exciting when he says, I will bless you with abundant increase... The, the Amplified is amplifying the, the Hebrew meaning of the words. right? It's not some other interpretation there. Give you the Hebrew meaning of those words. I, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished. And watch this. You will be a blessing. Here it is. Dispensing good to others. So when you read the phrase, you will be a blessing, it means dispensing good to others. This doesn't mean, you know, people say, oh, they, they sung that song. Oh, she sure blessed me. No, he's talking about literally dispensing good to others. Everybody shout, I will be a blessing. Dispensing good to others. Say it again like you mean it. I will be a blessing. Dispensing good to others. Remember we read 1 Timothy 6 verse 18. Let them be rich in good works. Rich in good works. Rich in good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. Rich in good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. Dispensing good works. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who oppressed the devil. When it said he was doing good, it meant he was being a philanthropist. Southern in the Greek, it set it out. It means to be a philanthropist. Jesus Christ was a philanthropist. Oh, yes, he was. That's why we know he wasn't poor and broke. He was a philanthropist. The night he was betrayed, sitting there at the, at the last supper table, and he told, tells Judas, hey, what you do, go and do it quickly. Remember that? And the Bible said that when he did that, 
the other disciples thought either he was going to get something else to eat for them or he was going to give money to the poor because that's what they were accustomed to him doing. They were accustomed to Jesus telling Judas, the treasurer, not a poor man, Judas, the treasurer, to go give money to the poor. So Jesus wasn't poor. He just took everything that came in and would make sure he was, he was dispensing good to others. Are y'all catching this? Dispensing good to others. Dispensing good to others. That's why when blind Bartimaeus, you brought up blind Bartimaeus today, when blind Bartimaeus came to Jesus Christ and he cried out all the more saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus went to him, he said, what do you want me to do? Y'all y'all catch it. When blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, hey, have mercy on me. He just said, hey, okay, wait, wait, what do you want me to do? Y'all, y'all don't see. He's going in his pocket. What do you, what you want me to do? See, he, got, he, he doesn't know, do you want to be healed or you, you want me to break you off somewhere? See, you would think, oh, he just, I mean, natural Jesus, he's blind. But he, the Bible says he was a blind beggar. So Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do? I'll meet, I'll meet whatever need you have, whatever you ask me for, I'll take care of it. That's the kind of man Jesus was. It's the kind of man he was. That's the kind of man I am. You better declare it by faith. That's the kind of man I am. That's the kind of woman I am. I dispense good to others. I'm a philanthropist. Jesus went about doing good. He went about doing good. He went about, went about. Went about means that he was just cussing. Wherever he went, he just went about doing good. On his way to Publix, he saw somebody in need, and he went about doing good. On his way to the restaurant, he saw somebody in need, he just went about doing good. On his way to workout class, Barbara. And he, can, y'all, can y'all see Jesus Christ? I mean, Jesus, he's out walking. He just went about doing good. Everywhere he went. You don't think Jesus exercised? Jesus had exercise. He was a man. Praise the Lord. I ain't say he bought a Peloton or nothing like that. I'm just saying exercise. Anyway, he went about to, to go about doing good means, listen to this, he made it his business. He made it his business to do good. So when God tells, tells Abraham in Genesis 12 too, in the Amplified Bible that I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing, dispensing good to others. In other words, Abraham, you're going to go about doing good. Now he's our father in the faith, right? Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. Many sons and daughters have Father Abraham. I'm one of them. So are you. So let's just dispense good to others. Gonna be like our daddy. Let's just dispense some good to others. And don't make it rain now. I ain't about doing all that now. I'm, not, I'm talking about just doing good to Praise the Lord. I gotta check some of y'all. We got a class Saturday for that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you see what your life's supposed to be all about? He went about, I go about doing good. Thank you, Lord. I'm a supplier. <laughs> I'm a supplier. I'm the hookup man. See, now let me, let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Because how many of y'all know what a dispensary is? Now, if you were to Google dispensary right now, don't, don't Google it. I did it for you. If you Google dispensary, the whole first couple pages on, on Google are going to be medical marijuana or marijuana. Because of the dispensary, Mary Jane, whatever you want to call it, where they, where they give out. Okay? So I said, let me look up, look up the word dispense. Maybe it doesn't mean what I thought it meant. But the word dispense from the Merriam-Webster means to divide and share out according to a plan. To divide and share out. Now, this is what he said about Abraham, what you're going to do, and what we, his children, are going to do. We walk in the steps of that faith, right? We divide and share out according to a plan. It means to prepare and distribute. Prepare and distribute. Prepare, have something ready to give. Be ready to give, willing to share. Ready to give, willing to share. Have a plan giving. Every church and every, every nonprofit always want to talk to people about plan giving. Schools talk about planned giving. They want to get all their alumni to have, you know, we planned giving. So you and I individually need to have planned giving. Because see, what you, why am I saying this? Because you can sit there and, well, I'm going to wait on God to tell me to do something. But somehow you wait and you'll find, the you'll, you'll almost like go deaf. I didn't hear God say anything. So what you need to do is plan on giving something. And as you plan, as make it your habit, as you just simply go about doing, go about blessing, then you'll start hearing God more clearly. Oh, do this specifically. Are y'all being helped by this tonight? I'm waiting on God to tell me to do something. Okay, while you waiting, people hungry and all that kind of stuff, and you really, you waiting, you're not really waiting, you really procrastinating. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, you'll, be on, you'll spend it. You'll spend it. So, to divide and share out according to a plan, to prepare and distribute. Some synonyms for the word dispense. Distribute, dole out, dole out, hand out, hand out, and meet out. Meet, M-E-T-E, meet out. Now, when I saw that word meet, I thought immediately about Luke 6.38 in the King James Version. Give me Luke 6.38 in the King James Version. We know this one, don't we? Most of us know the first half of it and don't ever quote the last half of Luke 6.38. The first half, we know this in giving it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Stop. But 
it keeps going. For with the same measure that ye meet, dole out, distribute, dispense, it shall with all be measured to you again. So the same way you dole it out, the same way it's going to be doled back to you. You can dole or you can dollar. I know a dollar, but dollar is just a little, little dollar. That's what that's the difference. Dole is you lay it on. Dollar is you just you hit it. You know you put a little sour cream. You got a little taco. You don't you don't you don't dole out sour cream on a taco. You just got a you got a dollar. Well, you can squeeze it. That's that. That's yeah. See. So what, what, notice what he said here. The same measure. Okay? So let's go back to the beginning. Here's a part of everybody quoting in the offering time. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Oh Lord. Good measure. Press down. Oh, shaking together. Running over. I say running. <laughs> I say running. Yes, sir. That's as far the church goes. You rarely ever. I've been guilty of it myself. Rarely ever quote this last part of it. For with the same measure that ye meet. It shall be with all, with all it shall be measured to you again. That's why Paul comes along in 2 Corinthians 9, starting around verse 6, I believe, when he says, Sow sparingly, and you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully or generously, you'll reap bountifully or generously. You got it? So, the same measure. That's why. If we want God to extravagantly bless us, they were looking at me like a cow at a new gate. If we want God to extravagantly bless us, we have to extravagantly bless others. For with the same measure we meet, it will be measured back to us. You got it? Yes, so you're going to be a blessing dispensing or meeting out. Okay. Uh, some of y'all still may not understand the word meet. Okay. Let me give you a different word. Uh, meet is, is a verb. Here's a noun. Meter. Your power coming to your house is being measured on a Meter. You have a power meter that supposedly Duke comes around every month, supposedly, and read. I think they're making big estimates based on what their budget is for the month. Let me see. I think we're going to leave. <laughs> like, no, I know good and well. Did y'all come on my house? 
I mean, you got a water meter. The same thing with your water meter. Supposedly, I don't see them. Supposedly, I haven't seen a city water guy come in, in years to my house. Supposedly, they come and lift that thing up every day, every month, and read that meter to let, to let me know how much water we've used. I haven't seen anybody out there. I'm telling you, they estimating based on the city budget. We didn't write enough tickets this month for speeding, so we're going to hit everybody up on the water bill. Right? So that meter measures how much you're using. And then you're charged based on that. So however it's metered, metered into your house, you have to return to Duke or return to the city based on how it came to you. You understand that? So God has a meter. And that meter is connected right to your heart. Remember that widow woman who the Bible says Jesus sat over against the treasury and watched what everybody was putting in and everybody was throwing in all their little big, big little money because they were rich. And he said that little widow woman came in through and threw in her two little mites. And he said she gave all she had and she's given more than all of them. See, based on, her, based on the meter, she outgave everybody. See, because the meter's on your heart, not on your wallet. The meter's on your heart for God to know, okay, I see what you're doing. Okay, you holding back because your heart ain't in it. Okay, so you got to make sure that you're meeting out properly. Amen? Thank you, Lord. When I was having problems with our power here a couple months ago, they had to come check my meter. Matter of fact, they just gave us a new meter. With our power, hey, get, get me a new meter or something because something's wrong with that one. I went, Bill went up. I said, Lord, bring me the old meter back. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I can't. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, let's move quickly here. Go to Proverbs 22, verse 9, please. Proverbs 22, verse 9. I want you to do this. I want you to make being a blessing or dispensing good to others your financial goal in life. As a result, you'll be blessed. Make being a blessing or dispensing good to others your financial goal in life. Now, this, is, this will not jive with people that work for Ameriprise and Raymond James and Franklin Templeton, and they try to tell you, you know, we, your financial planner, we're going to want to set financial goals for you in your life. When you graduate high school or graduate college, we're going to set some financial goals that you're going to retire when you're 52 or 65, and you, what are your goals? I want to be able to travel, and I want to be able to, you know, uh, have a house over in, in Tuscany and so forth and all these you know wonderful things people have. Those are the kind of things they want you to set goals for. I want to be able to you know have my debt paid off. Those are goals. But here's here's the goal I want you to have. Make being a blessing your and or dispensing good to others your financial goal. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, this is good, ain't it? There's a scripture just came to me. The Holy Ghost had to bring it back to my remembrance where it is. Uh, it's either 2 Corinthians 8 or 9. I'm trying to put my eyes on it where Paul talks about giving advice. Uh, one of y'all have your little doodads. Um Verse 10 of what? What chapter? Chapter 8. 8 verse 10. Yeah. Thank you very much, Elder Baker. So, this is Paul being your financial advisor. He says this in verse 10. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it that as, as there was a readiness to desire it, there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted. He's talking about giving. So this is financial advice. He's saying it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what, one, what he does not have. So he's, he's recommending his financial advice as a financial advisor by the Holy Ghost is, you know you were planning on giving? He said, go ahead and give. You want to have financial dreams fulfilled? Go ahead and give. Go ahead and be a blesser. He's telling them in, in this, in this uh, 2 Corinthians 8 about the offering that they were taking for the saints at, back at Jerusalem. They were taking an offering to, bless, to help the poor saints. The saints in Jerusalem were under persecution, serious persecution. Serious, everything they had was being taken, stolen from them. Yes. They were under serious financial duress. Yes. And so, so he said, I'm going to be your financial advisor. Right. Right. Go and give and help them. Right. You want to prosper? Help them. Right. Put back up what I had on the screen for me, please, about your financial goal, please. I want everybody to see that. Because y'all didn't get too excited about what I said, but I want to make this, at least your eyes see it. Make being a blessing or dispensing good to others your financial goal in life. My goal is not to be a billionaire. My goal is to be a blessing. My goal is not about how many properties I'm going to own. That will be a byproduct of my goal. Me having a mansion will only be a byproduct of my goal. Me having financial freedom will only be a byproduct of my goal. My goal is to be a blessing, dispensing good to others. Jesus, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's good. And the quicker you and I get that through our thick skulls and into our hearts, the quicker the Lord can begin to release abundance to us. The quicker it comes. Come on, sir. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I gave you the scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 9, on Sunday. Proverbs 22, verse 9. Proverbs 22, verse 9. 
He who has a generous eye. He who has a generous eye. He who has a generous eye. Looking for it. Looking for something to dole out. Looking to meet something out. Looking to be a distribution center. Looking for that will be blessed. Why? For he gives of his bread to the poor. Everybody has bread. Y'all call it cash, feta, cheese, <laughs> greenbacks. That's what Deke said. I ain't, give, I ain't giving no man no change. I gave him some green. Y'all almost got to be careful when you say give somebody some green though. These days too, you say give somebody. What he means is green money. That's what he means when he says green. Deke, what you what you distributing? What you dispensing now? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The more, okay, man. The more we allow God to do for us, the more He can do through us. And the more we allow Him to do through us, the more He does for us. It's it's a it's a cyclical thing here. The more I allow Him to do for me, the more He can do through me. Then the more I allow Him to do through me, the more He will do for me. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. Okay. Go, go real quick to Isaiah. Leave that on the screen for everybody, please. Uh, but just preview media. Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 9. And then we're going to go over there in just a second. Isaiah 58. I want everybody to make sure they see that. Somebody write it down, take a picture of it. Somebody screenshot it at home. Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 9. I want you to see something here. Got it? Okay, now let's go over there, please. Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 9. Notice what God says here through the prophet Isaiah. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? To let the oppressed go free? And that you break every yoke? This is what he's chosen. Verse 7, please. Is it not to share your bread, your bread with the hungry? Remember we just read about sharing your bread? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. This is what he's chosen here. Verse 8. Then, here's your promise in return, because you're meeting something out. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. And your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Verse 9, verse 9, keep going. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. That's guaranteed. Healing, guaranteed revelation, that's light breaking forth, that's guaranteed revelation, guaranteed wisdom, guaranteed revel uh, uh, hearing, guaranteed answer to your prayers. He says, you should cry, you say, here I am. That means God always on spot. Ready, ready. You, you're, you're one of his distribution centers, He always on the spot ready for you. God, what, God, I'm calling. What, what do you need? I'm right here. 
Are you seeing that? Yes. Now, who's he talking about? Those ones who are going to be blessings to others. Okay? Now, give me verse 7 again, because I want to show you something in, in the, try to get it out the time I have left. Isaiah 5, uh, give me verse 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house who? The poor. Who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you do what? And not hide yourself from your own flesh. Now, now let me take you something and show you one area. I'm going to try to finish just this one area here in my time. Matthew and chapter 25. It's wonderful how God reveals this, these things to us. I was searching, as I was studying, I got some scriptures, and I found out these scriptures were in the same neighborhood. Then I found out they were on the same street. Then I discovered they were next door neighbors to each other. It was two different thoughts I was had and found them right next to each other. Like, wow, okay, God, you just showed me something here. I never knew all these, all these years I've been preaching. Matthew 25 and verse 14. Remember, we're talking about dispensing good to others, being distribution centers, doling out, meeting out things, okay? Now, let's look at this. Verse 14, are you there? Here's a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to where? Who called his own servants and delivered what? His goods to them. He delivered his goods to them. This makes them stewards. He delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents. Does it sound familiar now? To another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. He left. Verse 16. Then he, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he received two, uh, gained two more also. And, but he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Okay, y'all know this story, okay? Look at verse 19, please. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Everybody say parable. So here's the parable of the talents, as we call it. In this parable, here's a man. He's a, he's a, 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 a wealthy man. He delivers his goods to three servants. Then he leaves, goes off to, to a far country for a long time. Okay? He gives to each one according to his ability to produce. And then it says, verse 19, watch, this is very, very critical. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants, after a long time, after a long time, about 2,000 plus years, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, he's given us a picture of the end times. You go back to chapter 24, the, the disciples are asking him, how are we going to know about the end times? He begins explaining in chapter 24, how, here's how you're going to know we're at the end of times. Talks about the tribulation period, so forth. You go to the beginning of 25, talks about the, the five uh, wise virgins, the five foolish virgins. Y'all know that story. Okay, if you don't read it on your own time. Okay, he's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. So this is a parable about the end times. 
So when he says this man has gone away on a long journey, after a long time, it's about 2,000 plus years. That's where we are now. Okay? And he comes back to settle their accounts with them. So we know one man had five, one man had two, one man had one. The guy who had five, what did he do? He traded and he produced five more. The guy who had two, he traded and the Bible says he gained two more. Okay? Then the guy who had one, what did he do? He took his, buried it. Man, I knew you were austere man. You're a hard man and you know you reap where you own soul and all that kind of stuff, okay, that he said, said to, to, uh, to him. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Now, everybody say parable. parable. This, is, this is how the Lord blessed me with this. Something I had never seen before. I never made it, put it together. That every parable has an explanation. So when we go to verse 31, we begin to see the explanation of this parable. This is going to be something that's very familiar to you as well, but 31 through the end is explaining this parable. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes, that was him who went off on a long journey. When the Son of Man comes, in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. Why? Because remember, they got to give an account. You have to give an account of what did you do with the goods I gave you. Okay? And he will, watch this, separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep, from the goats. So there will be a great separation here. And he will set the sheep on his right hand. Come on. But the goats where? Now all you political folk know right right wing, left wing, all that. You want to be on the right. Y'all didn't say much. You want to be on the right side. The sheep going to be on the right, the goats on the left. So don't be no left wing person. When we black, we left wing. Don't be no left wing person. You're going to be yourself in trouble. It's goats on the left. <laughs> verse, verse 34. Verse 34. Then the king, the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Now, who are you talking to again? The ones on the right. Who are the what? The sheep. Okay? He says, come and inherit the kingdom. Now, remember the, five, the man who had five, the man who had two, who he told them, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, you've been faithful and so forth. He said, enter into your Lord's joy. He's explaining this parable. He said, now you're going to inherit a kingdom. Now, can I take you somewhere here? Yes. Now, hold your finger there, and I want you to, to uh, media, me, media can do it for us. Pull up, please, ver, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 10. Because verse 34 says you're going to come and inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you. Pull up 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. 
real quick. I'm going to read it. Y'all speed read with me, all right? All right, watch this. Do you not know that, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Tell your neighbor, do not be deceived. All right, it says neither fornicators. This is 2020, but the Bible doesn't change. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Keep going, please, because y'all don't want to see that. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So in, the ver in verse 9, throw verse 9 back on there, we see all the sexual immoral. That's what we're dealing with that on, on Saturday. No sexually immoral people going to be in, in, in the kingdom of God. I know it's 2020. I know denominations have changed their stances. But God's word has never changed. The New Testament doesn't talk about that. This is New Testament. Okay? So no fornicators, no idolaters. That's idol worshipers. Don't be worshiping rocks and crystals and beads and trees and angels and all that kind of stuff. That's idolaters. Nor adulterers, sage, all that kind of stuff. Nor homosexuals. Does it say that? Nor sodomites. Okay? Okay, sodomites is all kind of strange sex. Okay, verse 10. Verse 10, right on that same list, thieves, covetous. This is what I want you to see. We're not going to pick on the sodomites. We're going to look at the covetous. Covetous ones are the ones who love money. Those are the ones, when Jesus preached in Luke 12 about, in verse 15, beware of covetousness, he gave a story about a man, remember the man, who had, uh, his ground had produced a whole lot, and rather than sharing what he had, he said, I'm going to tear down my old barns and build some new barns, and I'm going to save up all this stuff of myself, and I'm going to have a lot for my lifestyle. So he didn't think about anybody else. He was covetous. All he thought about was himself. So when you're covetous, and you don't think about yourself, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now go back to Matthew 25. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the kingdom, the king will say to those on the right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Glory to God. Slow down. So he's not talking to covetous folk. You can't be covetous and inherit the kingdom. Now watch 35. He's explaining the parable. Yes, sir. Devin, he's explaining the parable. Yes, sir. For I was hungry. Five, two, and one. I was hungry and you gave me food. Remember he delivered to them his goods. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger Come on, remember Isaiah 58. And you took me in. I was naked, Isaiah 58. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Covetous people don't do this. Generous people do this. Dispensers of good do these things. Verse 37, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Oh, I, remember, I don't remember seeing you. When, when did we feed you? When, when, when were you thirsty? We gave you drink. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothed? You remember, I thought you went on a long trip. 
When, when did we see you sick or in prison and came and, and come to you? You were going on a trip. He's explaining the parable. And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And when you did it, you caused thanksgiving. You caused somebody to recognize God loved them. That's how you turn five into ten. That's how you brought increase to my kingdom. Sir, I took your five and I made five more. I took your two and it says I gained two more. I took what you gave me and I brought increase to your kingdom. Remember, this was his goods. They weren't their goods, it's his goods. So whatever I gain, I count it for the kingdom of God. Whatever I receive is for the kingdom of God. It's not for me. It's for the kingdom of God. Because it's his goods. Woo-hoo. Are y'all seeing this here? When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Verse 41. Then he will also, also say to the ones on the left. Remember the left hand? Who's on the left? Them goats. Depart from me, you curse into everlasting life. Everlasting fire, rather. In the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. Stranger, you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick, in prison, you did not visit me. Then the Lord will answer him saying, or they will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger naked in prison and did not minister to you? We didn't even notice you. We didn't notice you were here, Lord. We didn't notice. If we, if we had known you here, we would have taken care of you. We would have done something for you. If we had known you were here, Lord, then he will say, answer them saying, Assured I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And watch what he says. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now go back to verse, verse 41. Verse 41. What did he say to them? Depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire. Now go back in the parable, in the parable, to verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. You saw you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. My coming, I would receive back my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him as 10 talents. And then verse 30, verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. What made that prophet, un, uh, that servant unprofitable? He didn't take his master's goods and use it and to dole them out. He hid it. He tried to save. He was more concerned about saving and his own reputation and his own safety, his own welfare than doing what the master had given him the goods to do. And so he ends up in hell. Let me read two more, two more scriptures here. 
Galatians 6 verse 10. Did y'all just catch that? I I sped through it because I don't have time. Galatians 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? All, especially to those. Got this here? Now let's read one more verse here. Because Jesus said, as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. We, they didn't even know they had done it to him. They didn't even know they had blessed Jesus. Hebrews 13, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 13, verse 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Say it. Let Now let's look at verse 2. Here's why. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly, unknowingly entertained angels. What does it mean? Don't forget to feed the poor, clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit the orphan, visit the widow, Take care of the one who's in need. Bring, bring them into your home because you never know when you might be entertaining an angel. That means that God has, these, remember these angels ascend and descend. These, there are angels that are on this planet. You might look down on them because they got a long scraggly beard and they don't have their hair well kempt and they, their clothes look bad and they're ba- sagging off them and you look, ugh. You might not know that that might just be an angel that God has given you the opportunity that when you bless that angel, you've done it unto him. And when you've done it unto him, you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the few things. You, as my steward, you've been faithful over what I have given you. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Tell your neighbor, you never know. <laughs> Stand to your feet. Tell somebody that's around you, you never know. That person you just walk right by, you never know. That's why you must always be ready to give, willing to share, because you never know. You see? So when you read Matthew 25 now, you understand, oh, he's explaining that parable. Oh, I never did. The Holy Spirit, I said, oh, my God. Oh, you're explaining what, what you meant by that five and two and one, how that works. Because we normally think about it as, oh, he gave me some talent or gave me some money. I, I'm going to produce some business and all that. We think all those kind of, you know, natural things. But no, he's going way beyond that. He's going to say, hey, Take what I give you and use it to increase my kingdom. Increase my kingdom. Because when I come back, we're going to have a talk. Everybody's got to give an account. We're going to talk about some things. Well, God, I would have done it if I had known that that was you. 
that wrong answer, pull a hatch. Oh, no. Did you notice he said his separation wasn't based on denomination? Separation wasn't based on doctrine. Wasn't based on what you speak in tongues and they don't speak in tongues. Wasn't based on, wasn't based on race. Wasn't based on ethnicity. Wasn't based on nationality. The separation, he said. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in church, Barbara. So I always heard about the sheep and the goat. They talk about the sinners and the, you know, the saints. You don't live right, he gonna put you on the left with the goats. That's how I heard it. The saints and the ain'ts. You live in sin, we're going to be on the side over there with the goats. But that, he, did not, he never mentioned about anything about sin there. He never did, he didn't have anything to do with sin. He talked about, did you take what I gave you and use it to advance my kingdom? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the exceeding great army you're raising up in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Father, tonight, thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to see how important it is to you that we become distribution centers. That you love everyone, you love the world, that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, not just for ours. Jesus said, other sheep I have, which, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. You said, in word, all souls are yours. And God, we know how, how hurt you were when Adam blew it in the garden and how when you lost that fellowship, when you all went through that divorce, that separation, and you, you so wanted your family back, you reestablished a covenant with Noah and then with, with Abraham. And you kept going, Father, David and so forth, and you sealed it in Jesus Christ's own blood because you wanted your family back. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light. But, Lord, there are millions of others all around us who are still walking in, groping in darkness, and you want them back. We pray, Father, that, God, you give us compassion that will compel us to go beyond ourselves and reach out to help others. Not just to give them something, but to tell them something. To show them something. To demonstrate something. And to know how to minister your grace to them. To tell them that Jesus loves them. And that he died for them. That he rose again. And that he's coming back again. And that he wants them even from where they are right now, no matter how bad off they may be, that your love will override all that if they'd only give their lives to you. So we thank you, Father, 
that you'll use us. We'll not be like that lazy, wicked servant who takes what you give us and hides it. But we'll be like those servants who do well, good and faithful, who will take what you give us and use them, those things, to advance your kingdom in the earth. Now, as you raise us up, Lord, we go forth ready to give, willing to share, laying up for ourselves, Lord, a sure foundation, laying hold of eternal life. Thank you that it's ours to receive. We receive it now. With thanksgiving, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God a great hand of praise tonight if you receive the word of God tonight. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Now listen, listen.